Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to our Project RE3 online worship gathering. My name is Mike Giannopoulos, and I'm the pastor here. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And I'm excited. Today we are kicking off a brand new sermon series, and um, I'm ready to dive right in. So as we do that, I'm going to ask right now, if you would, to pray for me as I pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. I thank you so much just for, man, this life that you've blessed us with. That in the midst of all the chaos, the uncertainty, the questions, the fear, Lord, you have truly given us a time as a nation, as a world, just to call, call, call a time out, to rest, to catch our breath. And Lord, I pray that we just appreciate this time that you've given us. That this morning, um, as we dive into the scripture and look at some, an incredible story in your word, that God, you'll just reveal to us our life, maybe the parts of our lives that we need to hit the reset button on, the parts of our lives where we need to have a new normal, especially as it pertains to our relationship with you and each other. So Lord, I just pray that everything that is said right now, I pray that, um, gosh, the, the ears and the hearts that are listening, the eyes that are watching, that Lord, you just speak to us. Draw us closer to you. Challenge us and change us in an incredible way. And let everything that is said and done bring honor and glory to your name and a smile to your face. Amen. Well, there's all been, all of us have had times in our life that maybe we've been operating something and it just stopped working. And so what we need to do is, is, is we have to go reset it. And if you've ever had a power outage at your house, maybe there's a lightning storm or something, and you know maybe the, the breaker box gets flipped, you got to go find the box and open it up and flip the breaker, reset it. And then maybe there's been times in your life, and like no ladies of mine at my house, that sometimes the Wi-Fi just goes out. You got to go unplug the modem and wait a little bit and plug it back in or unplug the router. You got to wait and reset it. Or maybe it's your computer or your television, something just kind of freezes. So you have to reset it. You have to unplug it, unhook it. And I'm willing to bet that if you've ever called a technician, if you've ever called up one of the support lines and said, hey, this is what's happening, my computer stopped working, or my, my cable TV's going out, or my satellite's going out, or internet's going out, I guarantee you the first thing they ask you is this, have you tried turning it off and back on again? In her book, Almost Everything, Anne Lamont says this. She says, almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. I've been thinking about that quote a lot over the last several weeks. Because let's face it, for a lot of us, our lives have been unplugged. We were plugged into certain routines, relationships, schools, jobs, sports, activities, church. We were plugged into what we considered our normal. And now there's stay-at-home orders because of the virus. And a lot of things that we've been used to, we've now been forced to unplug. And the more I've thought about that quote, and the more I've kind of contemplated life as it is right now and 
and asking God where he's at in all of this, I keep feeling like over and over, God is just telling me, Mike, you're in a time of reset. It's time to reset life. You see, as I've had conversations with people over the last few weeks, especially one of the most common phrases and sentences that's been mentioned to me is this. Someone will say, I can't wait until life gets back to normal. Really? I mean, is, is that really what we want? I mean, I've even had conversations with people where they're like, man, my prayer is that God will just hurry up and, and get this disease out of here and, and jobs can open back up and things can happen and life will get back to normal. That's my prayer. And again, I'm thinking, really? I mean, is that really what we want? Because if we're really honest with ourselves, this normal that we had 60 days ago, 30 days ago, for a lot of us, just wasn't working. I mean, just think about it. To the normal person, you take a normal um, family of five, you know, that's my family. What did our life look like? We were all getting up early, rushing around the house, making sure backpacks were back, eating breakfast, fixing lunches, taking everybody to school, getting to where they needed to go. I was off to my job here at the church. My wife's off to her job, you know, there as an attorney. And we're all busy. The kids are in school all day. And then we go start picking them up. And sports has started. And so the kids are at school late. And they don't get home till late. And they're eating dinner late and, and going to bed late. I mean, it's just, and then you wake up and you do it all again the next morning. I mean, that was our normal. That was a normal for a lot of people. It was like this rat, way, rat, uh, rat race, this, this mouse on a wheel, just running and running and running as fast as we could go. And how many times in the last few months did you not think to yourself or even pray, God, I just need a timeout. God, I, I just need a break. That the thing that you longed for, the thing that you desired, the thing that your soul ached for was something different than normal. That you wished that, that you just had space just to slow down a little bit. That there was margin in your life so that you didn't feel like you were always on the go and never had time to breathe. How many of us long just for, to have time to sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee with a friend? Or to sit down and work on that hobby that we've been putting off. Working out in our yard or cleaning the garage. Things that we longed for that seemed so simple. Desires that we had that it looked like we would never get around to. So the normal that we long for is the exact normal that we were trying to escape from. I mean, does that make sense to us? Why do we want to go back to that? I mean, let's just pause for a moment. I mean, is that really what we hope for, to go back to that? In these last few weeks, I've found myself truly craving for something different. 
I enjoy this slower pace. I enjoy the fact that you see people walking up and down your street now. Neighbors that you haven't seen in forever because they're gone all day. And when they come home, they just go in their garage and shut the door and you never catch a glimpse of them. And now they're out and about and they're walking. I kind of enjoy the times when I have to go to the grocery store and I have to go pick something up that it's not shoulder to shoulder and it's not packed. I enjoy the fact that right now that actually, to me, people seem more civil. Like there's more grace being given. Maybe not on social media, um, but definitely I feel like in human interaction, face-to-face or mask-to-mask, it seems like there is. I think we're in a pretty cool spot right now. And I think if we really stop and think about it, God has us in a place of reset. So right now, our time has changed. Right now, the time that, that we're living in is different. It's not normal. And that's okay. Because shouldn't our desire be for a better normal? That just because we had normal 60 days ago or 90 days ago, and that was the life we lived, that doesn't mean that that was what God wanted for us. It doesn't mean that that normal was perfect. It didn't mean that that normal was the life that we were meant to ever live. So shouldn't we want a new normal out of this? A new pace of life? Deeper relationships? Like, shouldn't we want all of these things? Yes. And that's why I'm so excited about this morning and kicking off this new series. Because we were entitling it Reset. Because I believe in my heart there has never been a better time for a fresh start than now. Never. We didn't have the time before. But now we have nothing but time. All the rules have been changed. Life is going to be different. So why not take advantage of that? Why not take advantage of this time that God has given us to reset? And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to examine this idea of what a life looks like being reset. And we're going to examine our reset, our reset lives through the eyes and the lens of Joseph. Now, you guys remember Joseph, right? I mean, he's the guy with the real flashy coat. Yeah, that guy. You can read his story in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 39 through about chapter 50. It lays out this incredible story arc of his life. And just to kind of bring you up to speed on, on where he was at, because I believe Joseph's life was one reset after another. Just to kind of bring you up to speed, Joseph was, was a son of Jacob. And Jacob had a lot of sons. And Joseph was the second youngest, but he happened to be Jacob's favorite. And so one of the ways that he showed uh, Joseph that he was his favorite is he did give him this coat. You know, this coat of many colors. So he gave it to him. It was flashy. It was symbolic. He gave Joseph this coat. And of course, his brothers were jealous. Like, what is this kid getting this coat for? Why does this kid have, have the apple of dad's eye? Like, like this is not fair. But that was life. Joseph was his father's favorite. And then Joseph started having dreams. And in these dreams... 
They were very symbolic in nature, and, and the dreams kind of spoke to Joseph of his family ultimately bowing down to him. Now, Joseph being, I don't know, maybe uh, a bit immature, um, maybe he just wanted to brag or throw it out there. He went to his family and he told them. He told his brothers, he told his dad. He's like, hey, look, these are the dreams that I've been having. What do you think about that? His father scolded him like, what are you doing? You can't tell people those dreams. No, they just made his brothers angrier. It made his brothers hate him even more. So one day his brothers are out working in the field and, and they're taking care of their flock. And Joseph, of course, is at home hanging out with dad. And his dad tells Joseph, he says, hey, why don't you go out and check on your brothers and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So Joseph takes off and, and he's going and, you know, traveling a little bit of ways to go to the, the, the land that they had and go to the fields there and make sure his brothers were doing what they're supposed to. Well, his brothers saw Joseph coming. And they started, they started plotting. And they said, hey, you know what? When he gets here, let's just kill him. Let's just, let's just get rid of him once and for all. And one of the brothers spoke up and said, we can't do that. Are you insane? Like, we can't kill our brother? And they said, hey, you know what? There's a, there's a big well over there. What if we just rough him up and throw him in that well until we decide what we're going to do with him? So they all agreed that that's what they're going to do. And sure enough, that's what they did. Joseph shows up, his brothers rough him up, they throw him in the well, and then his brothers go and eat lunch. And while they're eating lunch, some slave traders come by, and they find this kid in this well, and they ask his brothers, hey, do you know anything about this? And his brothers are like, well, yeah, that's, that's our brother. And um, but you know what, you can have him. We'll sell him to you. He'd make a great slave. So they sold their brother into slavery. So here's this kid that was the apple of his father's eye that was having everything handed to him, literally born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He goes from that to a well to slavery. Joseph's life was reset in that moment. So these slave traders take Joseph and they head off to Egypt. And they arrive in Egypt, and they sell him into the slave trade. And there's a guy by the name of Potiphar who buys him. So he buys Joseph, and he puts Joseph, you know, with his other slaves and his servants. And Joseph starts working, and he's a hard worker. I mean, Joseph is impressive. And he starts working his way up through the ranks there in Potiphar's house. And he goes from one servant level to the next, one slave level to the next. And, and Potiphar is just, like, enamored with this guy. And before you know it, Potiphar had put Joseph in charge of his entire household. He was Potiphar's right-hand man. Now, Potiphar just happened to be captain of Pharaoh's guard. So Potiphar wasn't some slouch. I mean, he was, he was way up in ranking officials there in Egypt. So here was Joseph, second in command to a guy who was up at the top of Pharaoh's cabinet. Well, to me, doesn't that look like Joseph's life was reset again? I mean, he went from a boy that had it all to a slave to now a favored servant. Now, I'm sure Joseph didn't want for anything. He had it all. 
All of his needs were being met. He was appreciated. And in fact, he was appreciated a little bit too much. You see, Potiphar's wife took a liking to Joseph. So she made a move. And Joseph resisted. And Potiphar's wife got angry. And then she lied. She made up this story. And Potiphar believed his wife. And he took Joseph. And he threw Joseph in prison. His life was reset again. He had everything. He lost everything. He got everything almost back. He lost everything again. Reset after reset after reset. So now here's Joseph and he's now in this prison. But Joseph's just being himself and and sure enough the other prisoners and the guards even became enamored with Joseph. And they saw Joseph as this guy who just had wisdom pouring out of him. And so they found out that Joseph had this ability to interpret dreams. And so some of the guards would come and some of the prisoners would come to Joseph and they'd share their dreams with him and he would hear their dreams and he would tell them exactly what their dreams meant. Well, during the same time period, Pharaoh was having some dreams. And these dreams were very disturbing. And Pharaoh could not figure out for the life of him what they meant. So he started calling in all of these people that he considered the wisest in Egypt. And none of them could answer him. None of them could explain his dream. So one day, his cupbearer said, hey, I know this guy that's in prison right now, and he can interpret anything. So Pharaoh said, well, bring him to me. So that's what he did. He brought Joseph to Pharaoh. Pharaoh told him his dreams. Joseph listened and said, this is exactly what's going to happen. This dream right here means you're going to have seven years of famine. No food. Nothing's going to be here. All the crops are going to die. Seven years of extreme famine. But this dream right here means that before that happens, God's going to give you seven years of abundance. Seven years of plenty. For you to gather up and save up so you can be prepared when this famine hits. Well, Pharaoh was blown away. And he was so impressed with Joseph that he made Joseph governor of Egypt. Life reset again. From everything to nothing, to everything to nothing, back to everything. And in fact, at this moment, he had more authority and power and influence than he had ever had in his life. So for the next seven years, Joseph was the governor of Egypt, and he ruled over Egypt, and he, and he had everyone do exactly what the dream said, and they gathered food, and they saved food, and they were ready. And then, sure enough, the seven years of famine hit. But Egypt was ready because of Joseph's faithfulness to God and believing that God had this. So, of course, the neighboring territories and countries would come into Egypt and try to buy food for themselves because they weren't prepared. Well, as fate would have it, one day Joseph's brothers rolled back into town. And Joseph saw them and he recognized them. But they didn't recognize him. So what Joseph did was, through a series of events and, um, I don't know what else to call it, but ultimately little games, I guess. He threw out some stuff, tried to throw out some hints, had his brothers running around doing different things, stressing them out. 
they finally came back and he revealed himself to them. He said, guys, I am your brother, the one you threw into the well. And they were terrified. They realized that he was exactly who he said he was, except now he had the position of power. He had the position of authority. And he looked at his brothers. He said, look, I know you're scared, but you don't need to be scared because I'm not angry about my life. I'm not angry about where I've been. I'm not angry about where I'm at now, obviously. I'm not vengeful at all. And in fact, in Exodus chapter 50, verse 19 and 20, it says this. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Did you catch that? Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph's life had been reset again. So maybe that's where your life is right now. Maybe God right now has you in a place just like Joseph of reset. In the midst of this virus, in the midst of the lockdown, in the midst of the uncertainty, what the enemy intends for harm, what if God can intend it for good? What if what's happening right now, God can use to save your life and to save others? I have no idea where you were headed before all of this started, but God does. We have no idea where those around us were headed before all of this started, but God does. Our marriages, our family, our relationship with our kids, our parents, our jobs, our careers. Maybe it wasn't headed where we thought it was. Or maybe we were so busy and so caught up in that rat race, we never once took time to think about where our destination was going to be. But here's the deal. Joseph's life was full of resets. Over and over and over, his life was reset. But if you go and read Genesis, I guarantee you this. What you will not see is Joseph sitting around wallowing in pity. You will see a guy, a man, who said, you know what? This is the hand I've been dealt right now. So be it. I believe this is where God put me. I believe that something fruitful is going to come out of it. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to trust God, and I'm, I'm going to allow God to reset my life. And maybe that's something I need to hear and you need to hear also. But this is not a time for us to be scared. This is not a time for us to live in fear. This is not a time for us to sit in pity Worrying about all the things that we might lose or we have lost. What if we sat down and actually trusted God with our lives? 
What if we said, God, you know us better than we know us. You know the future, we don't. God, if this is a reset, if this is a reset of my marriage, if this is a reset with, the, with my family, if this is a reset of my job or my career, of our church, then so be it. Let us remain faithful. Let us trust God in the midst of this uncertainty. And let God reset the things in our lives that need to be set right. What if God has a new normal for us that's going to be better than anything we ever could have imagined? What if what the enemy intended for harm, God actually is going to intend for good? Man. Let's use this time right now to allow God to reset our lives. There has been no better time ever before for a fresh start than right now. So what's stopping you?